Welcome aboard the System76 transmission log. Our broadcast is about to begin. This is the latest on System76 computers, manufacturing, and Pop! OS. Now, for your in-orbit crew. Hey Adam, were you at Bring Your Kid to Work Day last week? I was not, um, at least not for the beginning of the event. Uh, we were out on a photo shoot for the new lemur, um, so I made it in a little bit afterwards, but I heard it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Katie from HR organized an incredible event. It was um, a build your own waffle bar with tons of toppings. And then we had little toddlers running around um, having fun in the factory. Um, they played with shop dog Kenobi and we printed out some rogue bot coloring pages for them, which was really cute. Um, but we'll link those in the show notes if you guys want to print them out yourselves. Yeah, I had seen a couple of the photos on social media from from the event, and it looked like the kids had a blast. Um, I did, after the photo shoot, get in, and uh, Katie, um, who's in HR, her son was there, and I got a chance to talk with him. And that boy is, as they would say in the South, that boy is as cute as a button. <laughs> he was such a cutie. Uh, I was talking to him and asking him, you know, what he had to eat and, uh, you know, if he was enjoying his day and stuff. And, uh, Katie said that they were, they were going to get ready to pack up and, and head home. And he was like, but mom, we're supposed to stay here all night. <laughs> and that whenever he said that, the, the look on Katie's face was just priceless. Um, but yeah, I did get to see, uh, you know, get, did get to meet her kid and, and uh, did get to see a couple of the coloring pages. And, and like you said, we'll we'll link those into the show notes um, and we encourage, you know, people to get out there and maybe pass these along to their kids and have them color a couple of pages. Uh, send us some links. Let us know. Um, and, and maybe we can maybe we can send a little something, too. Um, and I would say that these aren't just limited to kids. Adults can color these pages too. So uh, check out the show notes, grab yourself a coloring page, color it, post it, and then, you know, maybe maybe we can get a little something out to those that, that want to uh, color a coloring page for us. All right. We have some major updates to the website. So why don't you kick that off for us, Adam? Yeah. So we've done some work on the laptops pages. So now if you go to the laptops pages, you'll see... Uh, two main categories you'll see are powerful laptops so that's when you need a ton of performance across multiple locations you need a dedicated graphics card you're really going to be doing some heavy lifting computing that's our powerful laptop line and then we also have uh, ultra portables so that's when you want a really lightweight laptop with extended battery life and really good performance but maybe you just don't need that extra GPU performance with a dedicated GPU, definitely take a look at the Ultra Portables laptops. So one of those new powerful laptops that's just been released is the new Gazelle. It now ships with a 13th gen i9 configured with an RTX 3050, up to 64 gigs of RAM and up to eight terabytes of storage. And then we have this Serval workstation, which is coming mid-May-ish. It again ships with 13th gen Intel CPU uh, and can be configured with a 4060 or a 4070. 
again comes with up to 64 gigs of ram you can get this in a 15 inch model which has a 1080p display you can also get this in a 17 inch model which has a beautiful 4k display and then to round that out we also have the adder workstation which has been released it's the 13th gen i9 as well um, but this one you can configure with the rtx 4050 4060 or 4070 and again comes with up to 64 gigs of ddr5 and can be configured with either a 15 or 17 inch display and then for the ultra portables category a new galago that's coming very soon and we also have a new lemur uh, that's coming very soon so you can expect latest generation cpu in those models as well really looking forward to it as i had mentioned earlier at the top of the show uh, we were out at a photo shoot uh, when we had bring your kid to work day and we were actually out there for the lemur pro so we had a chance to go to a local university and do some photos there and we also got an opportunity to go to south valley park where we did a sunrise photo shoot which was super fun we even got to see deer like prancing around through the park while we were there it was very very cool so yeah a ton of stuff going into those new pages Nice. Another thing they added were um, comparison charts. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier to choose the, the right laptop and you can see all the features lined out, like the ports and how much storage you can have, what type of display it has, um, just all the differences between each laptop to help you make a decision quicker. Yeah, I love these charts and Andrina has done a great job putting these together. Yeah, I mean, for me, for example, as someone who takes photos often, a full-size SD card slot is important to me. So for me, I would likely be utilizing a ultra-portable laptop for something like that. So, you know, if I go to the chart, that immediately tells me Galago Pro has full-size SD card slot, and so does the Pangolin. So I'm really hoping that this makes just makes it easier for you to decide which laptop is the right one for you. Some more news, because that's what we do here on the System76 transmission log. We've got some Pop! OS news, we've got a little bit of Cosmic news, and even some news about the launch keyboard. What do you say? Let's just jump right into it, Emma. Yeah, Brock has recently been working on containerizing Pop! OS. So he plans to make it available on Docker Hub, DistroBox, and Podman by the end of the month. So now users of other operating systems can easily install and set up Pop! OS within a container and have access to System76 applications like the Launch Keyboard Configurator. I love this, right? Because let's say I'm running a extremely stable distribution, but it has older packages, um, then I can easily just spin up copy of pop in a container and like you said get access to the launch keyboard configurator or something uh big ups to brock thank you so much man i'm looking forward to trying this out myself as soon as it's released uh, and another thing that just had uh, a new update and a new release was the scheduler so we're now on version 2.01 and it has some really cool improvements so pipewire integration is one of those improvements the scheduler now auto assigns a higher priority profile to processes connected to Pipewire. So let's say you're doing things like a podcast or you're utilizing your audio and you're utilizing Pipewire, you know, for mixing audio or uh, creating new music. The scheduler will now default to a higher priority level for those processes connected to Pipewire. So very cool. So another thing is that Michael Murphy has done a lot of work 
just making it easier to configure uh, this version. So let's say you don't want to give Pipewire a higher priority level profile. So now you can go into this configuration file and easily remove Pipewire from the profile assignment. Or, you know, maybe you want to configure the way different profiles, foreground and background profiles are handled. You can simply go into the configuration file and, and edit those now. And I'm sure our audio nerds will be super happy about it. For sure. Um, another update is Jeremy has recently written a game for both Launch 1.0 and 2.0. His first game is called Launch Space, where you're a green square fighting off an invasion from the evil blue squares. So he says he'll be working on implementing it for other launch models as well. So you'll be able to check that out on the launch uh, light and the launch heavy. And if you'd like to give it a shot, check out the link in the show notes. Hey, yo, I see what you did there give it a shot i see what you did there yeah this is really cool and you know i haven't i haven't asked jeremy too much about this but i did see and and we'll link to the show notes where you can go check out you know the the github post itself but jeremy alludes to launch games so i'm curious if he has anything else that he's working on but it is very satisfying just destroying the blue squares. So <laughs> go check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, we'll also post a, a couple of additional links there where you can see uh, Jeremy's little video demo and stuff of it. But yeah, go grab it and check it out and, and let us know what you think. And this is more cosmic related news. Um, but another thing, and I, and I love this, I think this is just super cool. Ashley from engineering, she's been working to bring some more accessibility features into cosmic. So this past month, she's been working on a proof of concept for adding screen reader functionality. So applications, you know, like settings will now be accessible to things like Orca. If you're visually impaired and you need a little assistance, you can expect that cosmic will help you find the things that you need to find by utilizing a screen reader such as Orca. Again, I love this. I love that we're thinking about accessibility from the very beginning. And I, I really can't wait to see to see where this goes. And, and hopefully this opens up Cosmic and Pop! OS to a whole new group of users. Those are just a few of the updates this month, and we encourage you to go check out the blog at blog.system76.com, where you can dive into a bunch more information about these. Uh, you can see a few more screenshots. There's some other stuff that, that we'll be posting there about UI and UX work that's going on. And again, you'll be able to look through the show notes where this is being released. So if you're catching this on your podcast app, or if you're catching this on YouTube or someplace like that, we'll have show notes linked where you can go dive in and, and go check it out. But um bum bum pop tip time. What do you got for us, Emma? This one, I think a lot of people think only the mouse can do, but you can actually enter your window adjustment mode by pressing super plus enter. Then you use your shift plus arrow keys to resize the window or just your arrow keys to move the windows. So something you think only a mouse can do can totally do it with your keyboard with pop. Yeah, I really like this one, you know, because you can especially if you're on a portable device, a laptop or something like that, and you don't have an external mouse or you don't want to go down to the trackpad, you can easily resize and, and move windows around with just the keyboard. So love it. 
Great tip. So our interview this month was with Mark Loveless, who goes by Simple Nomad online. He sat down with us to discuss what it's like being a security researcher. Please be warned that Mark had a freak hailstorm that popped up during a couple minutes in the interview. So if you hear what sounds like popcorn popping, it's not you, it's us. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, can we start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself? My name is uh, Mark Loveless. I've gone by and still go by on occasion uh, on the internet as a Simple Nomad. And that's actually how I started going on the internet. It's uh, a holdover from uh, the old uh, BBS days. That's where I first used it and uh, did the hacking thing for uh, a long time. Uh, somehow turned it into a, a career where I became a uh, called a security researcher. That's basically what my title has been for the past, well, since uh, officially since 1999. I, the last five jobs I've had, uh, I've worked remote and also I've a uh, security researcher or researcher in somewhere in the title of every job I've had since then. I've uh, come up with ways to secure systems I've come up with ways to break into systems and uh, I've given talks and whatnot at uh, various uh, various uh, hacker conferences and security conferences uh, all over the place. I used to get interviewed in the press a lot. I don't as much anymore for the most part. It's, uh, I, I, I'm still active and I still do uh, plenty of plenty of stuff and uh, you know happily employed. I, I joke that I'm probably overpaid because I would do what I'm doing for a living for a lot less money. <laughs> just simply because I love what I do. Right. Right. So uh, that's, uh, you know, so it's, it's just a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So you said since 1999, you have been considered a security researcher or researcher of, so uh, officially, it, yes, you must've been one of the first people to have that title, right? Yeah. The company I worked at before, I, they were like, uh, it was, it was, well, it was, uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe railroad. Okay. okay. And, um, I think at the time, I don't remember how many employees they had. I don't know, tens of thousands and no security department. Okay. They had it. Okay. And I worked in it, but and I was kind of the, you know, the go-to security guy. I ended up being the first member of this, the security team when it formed. So, uh, you, you know, you had mentioned that you you've been a security researcher since 1999. You're at GitLab now. So what is, what is the, the day as a security researcher at GitLab? What does that look like? You know, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. I don't operate in days. Okay. Typically at you know, where I work, we operate in uh, month to month or even by the quarter. Okay. GitLab itself, uh, you know, the, the product written by GitLab, we use the product to write the product. It's a DevSecOps platform. And they do a monthly release, okay, like a full, you know, dot number <laughs> release right. uh, every month on the 22nd, uh, regardless. And it's always, it's always been that way. It goes back years. So most of the things that we do in groups are typically done quarter to quarter with the, there's a few groups that are exceptions to that. And uh, the security research team is one of those. 
we okay. will work on projects that may take longer than a quarter. I worked right. on some that have taken, you know, nine, 10 months, 12 months. Usually what I'm doing is, is I'm exploring, a lot of times I'm exploring new technologies or I'm using, you know, my expertise in some area that is needed somewhere and I'll help with the, some project, something right. like that. I, like I, I understand a little bit about cryptography. So I've been, we had a project involving cryptography. And so I, you know, that kind of thing. I got to write the cryptographic standards for the, uh, for the company to use. You know, things that's like cool. that. And so that's, and that's, and that's fun. I mean, it may not, it probably doesn't sound like fun to <laughs> most people, but to, you know, to nerds where you get to say, oh, I, by the way, I've done this. I've tested it. I've researched it. You know, here's this, here's what you should do when you're doing your code thing. Right. I, so, and actually that's probably the easiest part. That's the easiest take on my job. The hard part is <laughs> selling it to someone else. <laughs> particularly when you end up going over to the people that have got to implement it, right. whether it's people that are managing infrastructure, whether it's people that are writing code for the product and you're, and you're saying, uh, do this, don't do that. And you've got to figure out a way to, uh, not come off as the evil security guy <laughs> <laughs> and realize that people are going to have feedback for you and going to ask a lot of odd questions, uh, particularly, uh, really thought provoking or well, what about this or what about that? So it just, it's a weird, weird kind of job. Well, you had mentioned uh, in that response that you get to work with a lot of like new and emerging technologies and stuff like that and, and, mm -hmm. and stay on top of the latest tech. Is there any, is there any latest tech out there that you're excited about or that, that kind of a level of excitement that you, you're just, you really want to jump into it and, and learn more about it? Yeah, AI uh, is obviously uh, a cool thing. I've had an interest in it two jobs ago, despite my hacker background. And when I say hacker background, I mean like investigated by the federal government on at least two occasions that I'm aware of background. Right. Uh, I still managed to get a job at a, a government contractor and have a security clearance. So, and there I was working, this was over a decade ago and I was working on uh, AI projects. Oh, wow. So uh, I've always had a, a real interest in, in that. I, I find the whole focus right now on the uh, on these uh, AGIs like ChatGPT and mm -hmm. all, all the open AI stuff. I, I, found, I find those entertaining and fascinating. You know, so, so I'm excited about uh, the, I'm excited about the potential for automation particularly of security related things. When when did you first discover and install Linux? Uh, it was uh, mid mid 90s. I remember the first kernel that I saw uh, I think was like 0 0.9. Wow. 0 0.8, 0 0.9. So, a long time ago. And it was fun because um, well, actually well, I say it was fun. It was frustrating because what's his name, Linus, you know, mm -hmm. would not really accept all these security type things that people are recommending. A lot of them did get put in later on. Eventually, he just, I don't know, he 
saw the light, but he just thought they were ridiculous. So I was writing patches to my own kernels to uh, do low-level security things. Many of us were, but it was it was back then. And I think the the first distro that I remember, because I tried out a lot of different distros as they uh, came around. Um, the first distro that I used was probably Slackware that I stuck with. So do you still use Slackware today at all? In any oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No. No, I the the two main OSs I use are um, uh, Ubuntu and uh, Pop OS. Actually, uh, that's my on my daily driver. Recently, read an article, and this is actually interesting because one of our uh, sales individuals, uh, Bradley, had uh, sent me this article to your site. So if those out there listening to aren't aware, you can go to marklovelist.net and check out his blog. I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, it's a great blog. On one of your recent posts, you're using one of the the Meerkats to set up a home assistant, which mm-hmm. I've recently been experimenting with as well. Why did you end up kind of going with the Meerkat and, and how does that really kind of fit into what you're doing with home assistant? I l- looked at doing home assistant and was exploring, okay, well, do I want to just run this out of a container? You know, do I want to do go the Raspberry Pi route and everything? And I wanted more control over the operating system. And I wanted to be able to load up, uh, it's referred to as hacks, H-A-C-S. I wanted to load that up. So I wanted all this extra control. I thought, well, why don't I just get a dedicated, since they say, well, here's the... They, here's the, the here's the way they discourage everyone from running it. <laughs> they said, this is the hardest way. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to do that one. <laughs> and so I'm running a, a home assistant supervised. Cool. And they recommend doing it on Debian. So I thought, okay, that's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll get a Meerkat and I'll load up uh, Debian. There were some problems and you can, there's a, the, the blog about it, but uh, I would say the the problems were basically Debian, which I don't know if you've seen the install screens of Debian, but it's just like, oh, wow. It, it looks like, like, I don't know, Windows 95 or something. I mean, it's just like this unbelievably old interface. It's yeah. like, wow, they did not update this interface at all in 10 years. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I was hoping to get it working on Ubuntu, but I... I'm running multiple servers here already, and I just didn't want to take the time to do it. I had the need because I've got a bunch of smart gear in the house that I really wanted to get under control mm-hmm. via Home Assistant, and so I said, well, "I'll just, I'll just do the Debian thing." And uh, but it is working; it is, it's, it's working just fine. So, well, and I think you know a lot of people. I know my myself. I've been experimenting with Home Assistant simply because, yeah, you have all of these cloud devices. Everything wants its own app. Everything wants to talk somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Where Home Assistant, I can kind of bring, like, wrangle everything back right into my own kind of setup. So, yeah, that's that kind of plays into the whole because I'm I've got my own you know threat model for my my home network. Since we talked about the Meerkat, um, do you have any other System76 hardware? It sounded like you said you had System76 gear already. Yeah, I the uh, first uh, System76 laptop I got was a Galago Pro. And that oh. was in 2017, and that was at my previous job. See, most of the time, your employer gives you whatever the company machine is. And so there it was, you know, they, they gave me a Mac, and so I had a Mac. But, you know, it's just like, well, look, I'm doing all this weird research stuff and everything. 
I need a Linux machine. And I talked them into you know, me being able to expense a, a Galago Pro because I thought, oh, I'm going to run Linux on this thing. This is going to be great. You know, and it comes with it. And that was, actually, that was one of the ways I was able to talk them into it. I'm not purchasing a, a, a piece of hardware that has a Windows license built into the price. Right. That I'm essentially not going to use and wipe. <laughs> it's This is better. I was hoping they would not ask for it back. Then they asked for the Galago Pro back. And it's just oh. like, oh, man. What a bust. Yeah. So I immediately bought another one. <laughs> so uh, I've, I've known you for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We kind of ran in the same circles for a bit. Um, I know some of the stuff that you've worked on and, and, and you know had an opportunity to chat with you about uh, some of the stuff that you've worked on. Is there something either currently or maybe back then that, that I might not be aware of that was something that's, that's – it was really cool that you worked on something that you were really proud of. Uh, um, some of the stuff I was proudest of, uh, no one cared. Okay, <laughs> so um, I figured out how to do a man-in-the-middle attack against. It was Novell Netware. This is you know, mm-hmm. you know, late nineties, maybe early two thousands. I figured out how to do a man-in-the-middle attack during the login process of a client talking to a server. So I reverse engineered uh, Novell Network's uh, protocol. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a big deal. People are going to flip out over this. No one, no one cared. Okay. (laughs) 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 You know, and they care even less now because, you know, I I don't even think the network's got like what, five customers now at this point. I have no idea. What kind of advice would you give someone who might be looking to get their foot in the door with Linux and open source? Uh, Buy a computer. Take an old computer you have. Find someone you know that has an old computer they're getting rid of. Get a hold of some hardware and uh, download and load up Linux. You've been in the, the computer field for a while. You're a security researcher. You've experienced a lot with Linux from its inception to kind of where it is today. And just technology in general. There's just so much stuff that's kind of on the edge, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. AI now that's kind of a a common word or common phrase in many households and stuff today. Is there something that you see that's, that's maybe not quite there yet? Um, I know like earlier you had mentioned you had an opportunity to work with, with AI like a decade ago, right. And, and data sets and stuff for AI. Is there something out there that maybe not a lot of people are really aware of right now, but something you think is going to be really impactful for technology, not necessarily specifically Linux, um, but just technology related in the future? I can tell you what's on my wish list. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh, kind of gets into that area, which is um, I would like us to end the password. I think the password is the absolute dumbest idea ever because it was something thrown together by an engineer to basically try to uniquely identify an individual accessing something right and the security elements of it i mean there have been countless full presentations on the most minor aspect of the technology used to try to secure passwords and the best example I can give you is the fact that we have two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. 
the reason we have, and everyone recommends it because they say you need to have this second factor because that first factor is a dumpster fire of a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to use the second thing all the time. Right. And you're at the point now where you're getting your pat, you're using some type of password manager and it's generating this massive thing that you're never going to memorize. Mm-hmm. And you've got like a hundred, 200 accounts at different locations around the, the, the internet or whatever. And you can't remember any of them and they've all got to be different. None of them can be the same. So you you'd already, you don't know what your password is. So why don't you just eliminate it? And if you still want to do two factor, then make it something you have, like, you know, a YubiKey or whatever, and something you are like a fingerprint or a, you know, retina eye scan or something, you know, just a a biometric. That's how you would log in. So if, if our listeners wanted to learn a little bit more about you and some of the research and stuff that you've done, I know that we had mentioned earlier, marklovelist.net. Is there, is there another place you'd like to send them to, to maybe learn a little bit more about you and some Um, of the research you've done? Yeah, you could go to, uh, go to, uh, I'm on Mastodon. If you do a search, if you know how to get onto Mastodon and do a search in Mastodon, if you search for Simple Nomad on there, you'll find me at Simple Nomad, all one word. In there, there's links to stuff like I have a, uh, a readme that's in my personal folder at GitLab where I have references to some of the security research and stuff that I've done. So that might be a, a, a decent resource as awesome. well. But uh, yeah, the, my email on uh, uh, NMRC is uh, T-H-E-G-N-O-M-E at nmrc.org. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we've kind of run in the same circles uh, a little bit, especially Mm -hmm. earlier on as I was discovering Linux. So when I had a chance to read your blog and I was like, what? He he uses System76 hardware? (laughs) And I hadn't talked to you in years as well. And, and, um, you know, I, I think people would definitely be missing out if they didn't go and kind of do their own research after hearing from you today and definitely dive into your blog because I think there's a lot of really interesting, really thought-provoking articles in there. Really dig in, really learn a lot about it. You know, you're a great guy and and I have no doubt in my mind that if somebody, if they went to approach you, I'm sure you'd be just as nice to them. So thank you so much. Yes, thank thank you so much. Oh yeah, thank thank both of you guys. And like I said, I'm I'm a huge uh, System seventy six fan. Been been one for a long time. Whenever you do want to start traveling again, and you you happen to be in Denver or come coming through Denver, you know, let me know. Reach out, and I would love to to bring you on a tour of the factory and just show you where the sausage is made. You know. Oh my God, so. uh, I, I, that would be I'll, I'll fanboy out. I really would. This has been the System76 Transmission Log. For more inspiration, check out the website and follow us on social media. On your descent back to Earth, please keep your hands and feet inside the transport beam at all times. Captain sign-off, in transmission.